0: Welcome back to The Real Pilot Answers Your Questions Series 2 here on the Phobic Flyer Channel with my good friend Peter Cox. And Andy Clark. Thank you. I started learning to fly in 2013, and it took me seven and a half years to get my PPR licence due to a debilitating fear of flying. I created this channel to show some of my training and what's next for my flying hobby, and to prove that it is possible to overcome a phobia. Welcome to the Phobic Flyer YouTube channel. First question then, Peter, how do pilots land in fog when you just can't see at the window? Come on, tell
1: me now. With great difficulty. Okay. Um, No, it's fog is one of those situations that would massively limit our visibility. And be able to see a runway is kind of useful for landing. Um, so in fog, we are going to generally auto-land or use an instrument landing system that will get us very, very close to the ground if the fog isn't quite so bad.
0: Is that flying. when it would say minimums? It, it
1: says that regardless, but oh, yes. I like it. <laughs> um, Sorry. So fog is going to reduce your forward visibility. So yeah. although you might be able to see from where you are down to the ground you can't necessarily see forward and that's what we need to see to be able to make an approach to land if it is very dense fog we're going to do an auto land if the aircraft is capable of it not all aircraft are capable of auto land and not all airports support auto land as we've discussed in a previous video so to do an auto land the aircraft must be supported for it the crew must be trained and certified for it, which we go through as one of our SIM checks every year. Yep. And the airport has to be in what's referred to as low visibility procedures to provide protection for the delicate radio signals that are being transmitted up to the aircraft.
0: What does that mean?
1: What, the low visibility procedures and protection? The protection bit specifically, because I've heard them mention that in Gloucester. It means that where aircraft are taxiing and moving, and also vehicles, sort of uh, service vehicles, they aren't allowed in certain parts of the airport. So specifically, the runway has a protected area by default, Yeah, but it's wider than that. So you would have low visibility procedures, holding points that are further away from the runway. So aircraft that are taxied out and waiting to take off are held further back from the runway to protect the radio signals that are being used by landing aircraft. And basically what they don't want is an aircraft to taxi around and to bend and distort the radio signal that another aircraft is using to come in to land when it can't see that it's being bent and distorted. Uh. under normal conditions, you can fly an instrument approach, but you'll see the runway for a long way out, so you, you know that it's all working fine. In fog, you can't see that runway, so you are utterly reliant on what the instruments are telling you. So the radio signals, imagine a cone being projected up from the runway, the aircraft fly down, and as you get progressively closer to the runway, the cone gets narrower and narrower. And that's how we are going to find the runway in the fog. If that is distorted and by another aircraft or a vehicle moving inside it, then we would have no way of knowing. And so the aircraft will follow blindly those radio signals. Regardless. Regardless. So we have to make sure that those radio signals are protected. And that's what low visibility procedures and protection provides. Now, a lot of aircraft will be able to fly down to a minima that would give you what's referred to as Cat 1. It's about 500 feet above the ground. Next level is Cat 2, which gives you about 200 feet above the ground for be able to see what's going on. And then Cat 3 will bring you down to about 50 feet. Wow. Yes. Now, it is an automatic landing, but the pilots are still involved. We're not sat there with our arms crossed looking out the window waiting to see what turns up. It's, we are monitoring. You are flying the aircraft through the instrumentation, even though the autopilot is flying it. And there are many levels of resilience built into it. And if anything is detected as going wrong, it's a go-around. Mandatory go-around. There's no two ways about it. If I think that the autopilot's made a mistake or those signals become unusable and air traffic, let me know that. It's a go-around. We're getting away from the ground as quickly as possible. After we've landed, the fun doesn't stop there. We still have to find our way to the terminal. And anyone who's driven in the fog knows that it's hard work. Um, we're a lot higher off the ground in an airliner and airports are busy, complex places. They have a lot of lights that will help us, but even so, you're going to taxi very slowly. And a big, complex airport can take some time because they will limit how many aircraft are moving just by the fact we can't see each other. Of course. Even though they are using ground radar to track where we all are, if we can't see each other, that's the primary protection is that we'll just anchor on the brakes and go, "Data, where we are, stopping, help. Really? Yep. And then they will clear you step by step on how to continue where, where you need to get to. Is that a
0: progressive taxi clearance? No. It's
1: sort of. Okay. And that's a phrase that I've heard quite regularly from the yeah. flight in world and certainly from um, the US.
0: But in, yeah, Europe, yeah.
1: in Europe, certainly at all the major airports, they use green LEDs. And so you'll get your taxi clearance, but it will be basically following the greens. Follow the greens. And each section of green lights will illuminate and you'll follow it.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, Peter. OK, another question. Now, this has affected me many times, and I'm com- constantly doing this. Why do my ears pop, and is it dangerous to my health? OK, firstly,
1: it's not dangerous to your health. Um, the reason your ears are popping is it's your protection mechanism for balancing the pressure in your
0: ear. Eustachian tubes? Yes, there's. Hey, check me out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, basically, what happens is you'd think flying in a pressurised airliner that we're pressurised. Why, why do my ears pop? We're not pressurised to sea level. So as we climb and the outside air pressure drops, the cabin drops as well, but obviously nowhere near as rapidly or as far. So depending on what the aircraft make and model is, depends on what cabin pressure it will go to. Certainly the Dreamliner has a lower cabin pressure or higher camera, which way you want to look at it's closer to sea level. Better, yes, better than the seven three seven that I fly by about two thousand feet. Oh, okay. So when I'm at cruising level of forty one thousand feet, the cabin will be at about eight thousand feet, whereas the Dreamliner cruising at forty one thousand feet will be at about six thousand feet cabin pressure. So it is more comfortable, and um, that's why your ears pop, and they pop going up and pop going down because as we climb and descend the aircraft, the cabin is controlled at a ratio to match what's happening outside.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um there are various things you can do to try and relieve the discomforts. Um I'm young old enough to remember back in the day when you used to go on uh, airliners where they used to hand out sweets before you started descent so you'd yeah. all sit a second on the sweet before coming into land. Yeah. Yeah, remember so remember Yep. It's yeah, going back yeah, a bit oh, now. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing you can do. Certainly take some sweets, hard-boiled sweets, and, and sit there and suck on them, because the motion of you sucking on the sweet will help balance your ears. Yeah. Um, you can do the whole hold your nose, close your eyes and mouth, and try and exhale, and it yeah. will pop your ears out. Um, there's a method of things that can sort of help with the comfort, but generally eating or, or sucking on something is yeah. the most obvious one to do for people
0: i i do it i notice when i watch my flying videos back i do it quite a lot and i'm consciously going i'm constantly going like that yeah and you can just see me do it and it makes it looks like i'm picking my nose but, but i'm it, not i'm just blowing my ears but in a light
1: aircraft you are going through where the biggest changes are which is the, the biggest pressure changes are closest to sea level course, yeah. so you're going through the biggest changes all the time because yeah, it's an unpressurized yeah.
0: cabin yeah um you my flyer <laughs>
1: The only thing I would say is if you have a cold, be very, very careful.
0: Um, I wouldn't fly if I had uh, any problems, because I know if I can't, uh, clear, you know, clear, or if I can't balance my station tubes, I know. Yes. Because it feels like I'm deaf in one ear. It's muffled. Yeah. Um,
1: most pilots and cabin crew certainly will not fly if they think they have a cold. Yeah. Um, it's one thing going in the climb where the pressure reduces. Yeah and your ears pop because they have the higher pressure inside to actually go up, the real danger is coming back down because as the pressure builds, you can't then force greater pressure from the inside and you risk doing serious damage to your ears. So be very, very careful if you fly with a cold. And that's for all passengers going in an airliner. If you have a cold, make sure you have some sweets because it will help balance the ears the whole time.
0: Yeah, okay. Great advice. Thanks, Peter. This is a very interesting question. And actually, one of Karen's friends... um, has a has a son who has this this problem it's uh, the question is i would love to travel with my son who has asperger syndrome but i'm really worried how he would cope with the airport and flight what support if any is there for people with disabilities
1: okay firstly um it is a legal requirement in the uk and most of europe i believe that services have to be provided for people with all disabilities and not all disabilities are obviously visual um It's a pretty stressful environment for any of us going flying. The airport, security, queuing, delays, then getting on an aircraft, the aircraft environment. It's uncomfortable, even for people who aren't suffering from anything such as this. There are things that can be done. First off, when you book your tickets, you will have the ability to specify that you require additional assistance. That assistance isn't provided by the airline. This is a big misunderstanding with an awful lot of people. The airlines do not provide the services at the airport. So things, if you are um, mobility limited and require use of an Ambulift to get onto the aircraft, so this is the, ambul- well, the ambulance lift system that raises you up to the aircraft rather than going up and down stairs or you're in a wheelchair or just can't tackle stairs, um, those services aren't provided by the airlines. They're provided by a government agency that oh. provides all all airports these facilities so it's not even the airport it's It's a a government i didn't know that yes it's a government provided charity Ah. so when you book your ticket you specify that you require assistance that information is simply passed from the airline immediately on to the third party provider okay so it's trying to knit everything together and it works most of the time it has to be said but you are dealing with multiple agencies providing you the service so when you arrive at the airport, you can go immediately to the special assistance area. They will be able to provide you support with getting your luggage checked in. They'll be able to provide you assistance getting through security, which is a pretty stressful experience. Unfortunately, this person some will have to transit security the same as everyone else. Yeah. Um, however, it will be done in a way that is made to be as easy for them as possible. Um, quite often you'll see people in an airport wearing a, a lanyard it's a green lanyard with little um, yellow flowers on it okay that is the disabilities lanyard and anyone who sees that an airport is trained to know that that person has a disability of some form or another it may not be visual okay. so security will deal with it accordingly but they will have to transit security and then once they have done that they'll then be taken to another area where hopefully they can wait for the aircraft. And then they will be assisted to the aircraft by whatever assistance they need, be it if they're able to walk to the aircraft, they'll be taken through. But it will be hopefully bypassing a lot of the queuing and gate management to try and make it less stressful. Um, Once on the aircraft, the information about that person will already be known by the cabin crew and they'll do their very best to make them as comfortable as possible, provide whatever support they can within the remit of what is available on an aircraft. And then the whole process is reversed at the other end at the arrival airport brilliant okay really interesting thank you very much for that peter thank you for watching our question and answer session on the phobic flyer channel have you ever wondered can you use your ipad or iphone whilst flying why do you get told to turn it off stay tuned for the next episode to
0: find out